0: But first, I think I should applaud you, because this might be the first episode in 20 episodes where I haven't had to readjust you the entire episode. Oh, yeah, I've been locked, buddy. I'm yeah.
1: locked. I made a mental note. I'm coming in. I'm not moving. Nick's not. None of this adjustment shit. I'm locked in.
0: Because for uh, I know you can't see it at home, but anytime <laughs> the camera is not on me, I'm going like this or yeah. like so this. We'll give
1: it a dirty, So I'm like this. And what are you doing, Nick? Now cut.
0: Uh, Well, hang on. I'm mirrored, so I go like this.
1: Yeah. Or your hand will come in and tell me.
0: So, yeah. Uh Good job.
1: Sound speeding. Camera rolling. Scene 20. Take 303.
0: Mark. Welcome to Take 303, powered by 4-Way Media, the podcast with the guy who knows a lot about film. And his friend. I'm Nick Molinari.
1: I'm JP Brooks. Today, we're talking film and television. And today, we're talking about Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1 and Tropic Thunder
0: and now um do you understand why I picked Tropic Thunder as the pair
1: uh yes it's another spoof uh kind of a spoof kind of yeah it's a spoof I get it and it makes sense I'm very happy
0: but also Tom Cruise
1: oh right and Tom Cruise is in it it has a cool cameo and I would say even more than a cameo he's like a legit part which he was great at by the way
0: which we will talk more about after yeah. the break. Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Uh, Christopher McQuarrie's, I don't know if we're, we're going to call it a masterclass of action films. Stars Tom Cruise, Haley Atwell, Ving Rhames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Vanessa Kirby, uh, Pom Clentif, and Henry Cersny.
1: Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, Part 1. Follows Ethan Hunt, who's on the search for an item, the key. A key that has access to an entity. A big supercomputer. AI system that has the power to control the world and has big implications. It is up to him to track down this key and prevent it from falling into hands. Some hands is someone from his past who's back to get him. And you follow the movie as Tom Cruise with his team tries to hunt down the key.
0: We, we were kind of just being assholes about it. Yeah. But now it's it's very apparent that this is a trend this year. Movies where a guy from or someone from their past comes back for revenge and goes after their team or their family, and and here we are once again with another two parter.
1: Yeah, it doesn't feel like that he's necessarily the guy from the past is for is actually going after Ethan Hunt. He has another objective, but it, it's just funny that there's another guy from his past. Because uh, why have him? You know, but I mean, at this point, we're just in movie. Like there's no original movies anymore. It's just part five, part eight, part six. We're just mega franchise. If one, if a movie just has one successful part one, guaranteed. Now these days, there's gonna be four of them. Now if this was made by Valve, a video game company, there'd only be two. Valve is infamous. Left for Dead Three, is still waiting for it. Uh, when will it come out? The world may never know.
0: Well, they uh, gave us a somewhat shitty version of a part three for Left 4 Dead. Uh, you ever heard of Back for Blood? No, Nick,
1: because it's not Left 4 Dead 3, and I'm still waiting for it. <laughs> I don't... I don't. It's, sure. The title must be Left 4 Dead 3. I want four new characters, or I want to play as eight characters, both parties from both first and two. But that's a Left 4 Dead. Side note, greatest game.
0: But we'll save that for a different episode. So, initial thoughts, what are we thinking about Dead Reckoning Part 1? Which I initially, pre-movie... Yeah. I thought it was the stupidest title of all time.
1: I don't know what your problem with the title is. I mean, the I think it's long and the fact that they put part one, but I'm happy they put it in. If it was just Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning, how would you feel about it? Still stupid?
0: Not at all. I feel like the stupid part comes from the part one because I feel like the Dead Reckoning feels like a, a final kind of situation.
1: Gotcha. Like this better be the last, right?
0: They were making like references that this could be the last and Tom Cruise is looking older in this yeah, one. noticeably older. Like, he didn't look this old, I don't think, in Top Gun 2. It's starting to become more noticeable, so I think this could be the end, but who really knows? We saw the trailer for uh, Equalizer 3. The trailer said something along the lines of, like, oh, it's the last time, and I remember Fast 5. The poster said, the last ride six the last stand, seven yeah. the gangs back together one more time like it just feels like it will never end so i don't know for sure if mission impossible will end on uh, dead reckoning part two if that's even the title for it
1: yeah i can totally see it uh, Haley atwell i didn't realize was peggy from captain america from all the marvel stuff i think what they could do is if they were going to do a spin-off Like Ethan Hunt passing the torch on to her because obviously at this point it looks like she's part of it, but kind of not because they said you just bought her time. So it'd be interesting to see where it goes, but I I hope they end it because this was a good movie.
0: It's funny that you say you hope it ends because have you seen the other Mission Impossibles?
1: No, (laughs) I haven't seen it, but I just know like it's a franchise that has, I don't know how many movies is this?
0: That you saw tonight is number seven.
1: Yeah, like let's, things need to come to an end. Like a good story also has a great ending. And that's the problem with all these other franchise movies, that they're not ending. I would even say some movies with part ones don't even have a beginning, uh, but that's just a different story for a different day. Uh, this part one feels nice and tight, leaves you on a l- not much of a cliffhanger, a little bit. Obviously, some things are still unanswered, but the movie was about getting the key, and guess what they did? They got the fucking key. <laughs> and... <laughs> awesome i'm glad we were able to accomplish that like could you imagine two movies about them trying to track down this fucking like that'd be miserable it's an action film which is as we know historically on the podcast is low bar for me i don't like them um but this one actually held my attention for a very long time what about you nick
0: i've been a fan of the franchise for a little bit i come into it with like almost similar
1: you say a little bit you watched it all i, I... <laughs> <Last> night. <laughs>
0: No, no, no. I said I, I re-binged ah, okay. uh, what I already seen. I have seen all of them already, so I was just kind of familiaring myself with the the franchise because you never know who's going to come back. Yeah. And I was like, you know, if somebody name drops somebody, I want to I want to vividly remember these names. And uh, the main guy that uh, they're working for, uh, he's from the first movie. I would not have remembered him if. Uh,
1: Do you see him in any other movie?
0: No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> What? So the the leader of the IMF Impossible Missions Force. Did
1: they ever name it before now? They they have okay
0: multiple times. It's hilarious. <laughs> what a um, stupid name. <laughs> but in each movie, basically there's a different leader of the uh the group. So it was interesting to see him come back. So I've watched the franchise starting at four. I I had never seen the first three until Ghost Protocol came out in 2011. And that's the movie that got me hooked into the franchise. And I started watching them. So I saw uh, four basically when it originally came out, five and six when it came out, and then I went back to rediscover one, two, and three. And it had the same kind of feel to Fast and the Furious in a sense, where if you look at one, two, and three, it is a very jarring difference to what we saw tonight it makes the case for why did this even need a franchise 4 revived it in the same way fast 5 revived fast and the furious the only difference is is these are much tighter and better written and the effects are just way better i thoroughly enjoyed it i do think the whole time through i was in suspense of like how it's going to end we already know it's a two-parter you're interested in figuring out where it's going to have that cliffhanger even though we still had a bridge exploding at the end of this movie, similar to another cliffhanger movie. <laughs> and it yeah. ended right at a good point where all the character arcs that needed to happen happened. It allows you to have a full story in this one while still leaving room for extra for the next one.
1: You know, the question of, okay, now they have the key. What are you going to do? Because obviously people are still going to be hunting for it. So it's, yeah, it's, it's nice to see a movie that has a... It's a long one too. I, I saw online line 249.
0: 249 so it's the longest one and and it doesn't feel long
1: not a drag definitely not a drag even um I'm, I'm you know when we watch these sometimes you know i'm coming from work uh but i was like nodding off for like a second but then i like yeah i was definitely interested in this movie and i'm glad i'm you know what because it's not just things blowing up constantly or ridiculous you know they take pauses even in the action to like laugh at themselves
0: but not in an overly campy kind of way also yeah
1: not an over camp just like slight little you know Humorous points and still able to keep the tension. There's a lot of different characters and moving parts, but I still feel like I understand everybody and what their motivations are. Some of the dialogue is a little funny because, like, they just say the obvious, as is most action movies at this point.
0: Funny. Uh, now that I think of it, there was also uh, a chase through Venice
1: on the same stairs. I think it was the same it stairs was. that ball rolls.
0: It was. It was the ball area. For I fact. was. I was waiting for like the ball to come in. Yeah. <laughs>
1: How funny of a camera would have been if you see a similar <laughs> heist kind of going on. You just see Vin Diesel family. He <laughs> flies over. That would be
0: great. The Mission Impossible family meets the, yeah. the Fast family.
1: So can you, uh, real quick, can you name all of the... It's Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible 2. I'm going to go Mission Impossible 3. Then he said the fourth one is Ghost Protocol. What's five?
0: Uh, Rogue Nation. I
1: feel like I've never heard of that one.
0: I'm, I'm going to rank them even though I know you, you haven't seen them. Well, I we,
1: know my first one I'm going to rank out.
0: And um, the sixth one was Fallout.
1: It's Fallout. Get down with the victim. Yeah. That's like, yeah. yeah.
0: The Friction song. Henry Cavill's in it. In the trailer, there's a hilarious part. Eddie and I love this. He uh, He's having a fight scene and, and he gets knocked down and he gets back up. And then he has to go like this yeah. before he hits the guy. And he just reloads his arms
1: because <laughs> <just> so huge. <laughs>
0: and in the trailer, they put the reload, like, <laughs> yeah. while he does this. Oh, boom. Yeah, 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 I yeah. remember that.
1: That's awesome. All right. So, Nick, uh, why don't you rank these for me? All
0: right. So, this is from worst to best.
1: Okay. Starting from the bottom.
0: Starting from the bottom. Climb up. And, and now we're here. Uh, we're going to start with Mission Impossible 2, Mission Impossible 1. Interesting. Yeah, uh, I told you the early films did not make the case that this should continue. Uh, Mission Impossible Three, Rogue Nation. So it's really a toss-up. I think Fallout and Dead Reckoning could take okay. either spot. I don't know. Um, Dead Reckoning, Fallout, and then Ghost Protocol.
1: Okay, so you put the one we at number three out of seven, which is you know, better than half. So that's still pretty, pretty good. high. Yeah, I'm surprised the first one is ranked so low. But people, I mean, people love the music, like. Some would argue, I would say the score of these is probably, like, iconic dun-dun-dun-dun. And we were, even as kids, memeing about it and joking around. Mission Impossible. Like, it's such an iconic... But you thought they were bad.
0: So not necessarily bad but we're going to make this short because this is about dead reckoning and not about the mm-hmm. series in itself but the series started out as a tv show and it eventually became a movie series in the 90s the first few movies were all different directors the first one was directed by brian de palma okay. who made scarface uh, the untouchables okay. it's very suspenseful it ha- barely has any action to it it's very overly convoluted And it's a little bit slower paced. It has the iconic scene where he comes down uh, on the wire and he almost hits the the floor. Really jarring film compared to the rest of them.
1: This is is all action now. Yeah. You know what? They made their seventh one. There's got to be something. There's got to be why people love it. And clearly people do because even though there wasn't a lot of people in the theater, um, one woman... Few people behind me gasped when they saw the bomb on the bridge. And they're like, I'm like, dude, that's every action movie. There's always a bomb. (laughs) There's always a bomb. We
0: saw one a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, a few weeks Uh, ago. But yeah, so Tom Cruise and Ving Rhames have been uh, the only two that have been in all these movies. Who's Ving Rhames? uh that was the black guy that uh the hacker uh the rest of them kind of show up in later movies like you mentioned with the the girlfriend uh she appears in five six and seven uh ethan also has a wife that uh he made kind of disappear uh to save her from the life that he leaves
1: is that the woman in, that we see in the flashback briefly yeah he has to hide her away basically so she's not dead right so my man's just chilling with ilsa yeah and he he also has chilling with grace and he's also chilling with that other woman whose name i can't remember yeah my man ethan
0: (laughs) my guy Ethan, my
1: guy ethan doing Um... impossible missions and impossible women juggling (laughs) my guy
0: if you had to rank maybe spy movies yeah how would this compare to something like james bond movies that you've seen or
1: Well, well you can't listen James Bond is one of my favorite spy movies of all time. But I would put it, I could see myself watching this over maybe another James Bond film.
0: Favorite Bond film?
1: I actually like, what's the most recent Bond film that finished Daniel Craig? No Time to Die. I really like No Time to Die. I think it's between No Time to Die and dare I say because I've watched it so many times, Die Another Day. Arguably one of the worst, (laughs) right? Yeah. Is that Halle Berry? Yeah. When she comes out, yeah. What can I say? I'm a simple man. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's why we have you on the show. Um, Diana of the day had the best song, I would say. Yeah. Madonna killed it. Yeah. She didn't have to go that hard, but she did yeah. for us. Um, but I think Tomorrow Never Dies was probably my favorite Bronson film. Yeah. Uh, Bronson. That's a good one. That's the one when the guy wants to control the news of tomorrow.
1: Oh, that's a good one.
0: But my favorite of all time is probably Skyfall. So, if I had to relate this to any of them, I would say this is, like, up to Skyfall level.
1: Uh, So, I, I think this is one of the better with spy films. It lacks the coolness of Bond, which is, you know, Craig and Bronson, well, maybe Bronson earlier, not so much at the end.
0: Because you get a little taste of the Mission Impossible, like, the masks. The masks are a big part of Mission Impossible. I think there wasn't, there was, like, one that barely was considered a mask pull, but other than that, they really didn't go for gadgets in this one, like... The first one, they had exploding uh, gum. They had like uh, the cameras in the. Which is very Bond esque. Yeah, that's Bond, what that's yeah. what I'm saying. So like, they had a lot of the campiness in the earlier films. This one is very devoid of it.
1: Yeah, I, I, yeah, I just liked it. I liked it a lot. I think just to compare, is Skyfall the one where they're in the house and he rediscovers his past a little bit? Mm-hmm. That's why Skyfall, because that one's great because it, at the end it's very gadgetless. It's just Bond trying to survive which feels very much like this one for Dead Reckoning. No, this is good. This is a good film. I would probably watch this again, I think.
0: What are some of its strengths?
1: I think some of the strengths is we get fully fleshed out characters and everybody has clear motivations. You get time to see the characters talk and interact. And it's during intense scenes. At any moment, it feels like Ethan can die.
0: It's funny because last week we talked specifically about uh, Insidious, where we were saying there was barely any suspense leading up to the jump scares yeah and in this one obviously there are no jump scares but i mean there was technically one where i jumped yeah. out of, i jumped <laughs> up I, I forget where it was but um towards the ending but anyways there was actual suspense in a lot of these action sequences where uh, li- a literal ticking time bomb yeah. is going off in one of the earlier scenes But then during the later ones, you can still kind of get that vibe where we're always racing against the clock. So will he make this? Will this or this happen? It's always like an edge of your seat kind of action, which is, I think, what works for it.
1: Yeah, and what's crazy is I know it's a part one, but genuinely, it feels like our hero is constantly on the back foot. It makes sense considering the villain that he's going up against, which is the entity, which you really don't, is not, you don't really see the entity, you don't really, it doesn't speak but it's represented through another character who represents the entity. And just seeing how that character always has the upper hand really makes you feel like, I think they're going to win.
0: I thought it was going to be a very stupid movie. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. At the very beginning, when they were introducing the bad guy as AI, and I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. A little but too th- close to home. Right yeah. <laughs>
1: a little too real. A little too real
0: especially since uh do you see sarah silverman is uh launching a lawsuit against chat gbt or something like that no why uh she for not relevant uh no for it so uh intellectual property uh
1: stealing jokes and stuff
0: yeah interesting i did feel like it hit too close to home but also at the same time i didn't think it was it would be like that big of a deal like it felt like an ultron kind of situation going on and then towards the middle of the movie you can actually see like how it how it could have like a damaging effect
1: the algorithms and i like that we didn't get um this very like oh it's an ai and it starts speaking to everyone it just it doesn't speak it doesn't talk doesn't have a face it's just everything gets compromised. Very realistic, as you said.
0: So it actually appreciate. felt a little Matrixy in that mm. scenario. Like, uh, Ooh, what could have happened before the rise of the robots that we that yeah. we see in in the Matrix?
1: Wow, good good callback. It's very good connection. What else is good about this movie? The action sequences are great.
0: I think the action sequences are amazing. They're very well thought out set pieces. I, I had a minor gripes with some of the edits. I feel like if you compare these action sequences to like John Wick action scenes, uh, I feel like this one cuts a little bit too early. The train sequence, some parts kind of are a little bit jarring because it's probably the only place where the CGI is noticeable.
1: Very, yeah. But that jump off the cliff, man. Like I know they showed it in the trailer. I'm like, it's kind of ruin it. it. There was, was an sick. eight.
0: Was- there was like an eight to ten minute documentary about that jump off the cliff, and I, it looked so stupid when I first saw it. But then I realized, oh, they they hid the ramp and made it into a cliff, and then it it looks much better in the movie.
1: Now he has a bunch of harnesses on him when he jumps off. Or no, yeah. he that's legit. He just fucking sends it. Yeah, yo, my- <laughs> he eats himself. <laughs>
0: So if you if you did you watch the full thing?
1: No, of course not.
0: Oh, so it's very similar to the actual movie minus the train, which he fucking like somehow his body just breaks a hole through the train.
1: Right. Oh, so funny. <laughs>
0: He's like, "Hello," uh, you just Kool Aid mans Right. They don't show the, that yeah. whole thing, but they just do eating it. Right. Whatever. So um, the actual thing uh, there is no cliff. Technically, okay. I mean the cliff is a lo- is there, but it's not as as tall Deep, yeah. as it, it was in the movie, slightly less. Yeah. And uh, basically, he's going up a ramp with the motorcycle at top speed, and he does go off the cliff. Sick. And he has a parachute on. Yeah. So that's that's the real part of it. Wow. The, the descent is the part that's uh, faked a little bit.
1: Still, you gotta have balls of steel to do that.
0: Yeah. And uh, he's... He did it, I think, I want to say like Five or six times?
1: Yo, my guy, you know that's five or six motorcycles like they got again. <laughs> that's crazy.
0: They spend months preparing this of course. one scene, yeah. and it's probably less than a minute in the actual movie. Yeah, like but seconds, yeah, even less than that. Yeah, but it is it worth it?
1: Oh, it's worth it, dude. Because what? I, I mean, I've been real skydiving. We talked about skydiving last. I had, I got a little bit of that same film, uh, that same feeling, just watching it i I
0: remember during the scene you leaned over you were like yo that was you last week
1: (laughs) i go i go i just like just like indoor (laughs) skydiving get tom cruise let's ask him to go indoor skydiving i'd love to hear his thoughts (laughs) do you have any critiques some of the dialogue can be meh and um yeah some of the cgi can get in the way but
0: who is your favorite character who's giving off the best performance do you think
1: I wish I knew her name, but it's the blonde chick that uh, owns the club that is hosting the party. I really like her character.
0: That's uh, Vanessa Kirby.
1: I like her a lot. Here's why. Because even when she has the mask on, it's supposed to be Grace. She has to act like she's Grace acting like her character.
0: I was thinking that, too, in the movie. It's like you actually do believe that That that's, that's Grace underneath.
1: But in reality, it's just her. So I think that's awesome that... She does that so well. Also, she has such a strong opening when she comes in, just touching every man's chest. and She seems like the classic villain who believes they're in control, but there's somebody one step ahead of her, but she tries to keep it uh, under lock and key. And she kind of is almost comedic relief in the train as well.
0: Tom Cruise kills it in the movie. Um, But I think I might lean Haley Atwell, uh, Peggy. Yeah. She she does an amazing job. Um, I also liked... The little things that they did with Simon Pegg and and, uh, Ving Rhames. Yeah.
1: The team is good. The team is solid. They're not there too long. They're not doing too many corny jokes.
0: But they also have uh, a little depth to them, like when they're trying to give him warnings Mm -hmm. about different things.
1: Yeah, the team feels like a team. Whereas you look at something like Fast and Furious, it's just there's Vin Diesel and... The other guys sometimes do things <laughs> that are unrelated, yeah. Whereas, like, you feel like they're all in it together. Ironically, there's a bigger sense of family, even though they don't say the word once. <laughs> Ironically.
0: I also think, um, subtly, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy girl does a lot of really great work.
1: Is that who that is? Yeah. She's fantastic. Not,
0: like, an arch enemy, but, like, you know, the main henchman.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A little cheesy that he saves, and you're like, you kind of, yeah, I get how to betray, but still, I really liked it. Yeah, very good. good, good female leads in this movie. Not no damsels in distress. Grace does not feel like a damsel in distress. She just feels like genuinely doesn't have the skills equipped to handle all those shenanigans. But she has her own set of skills that she uses her advantage to leverage situations.
0: Yeah, because she's not a super spy, but she's a super thief.
1: Right. And so, obviously, she uses the thief and the manipulation and the trickery and the dexterity to get ahead. But when things, you know, when things go really bad and it comes to, like, fighting things like that, it's not her strong suit. So she's not supposed to be good, and I'm glad that they kept that. That she's not only a super thief, but she also is a superstar. No, she's a thief. She's not equipped to do everything. Really like that.
0: Very quickly, uh, favorite scene in the movie?
1: Thing comes down to airport or train.
0: I was leaning airport.
1: Yeah airport's really good sets the movie up for really good stuff um so if you yeah if you're gonna take airport i think i just i did like the falling train sequence it is cgi'd but still they let it they let a couple cars really fall there and i really enjoyed that and there was a lot more to it than just falling cars because they still resolve stuff on there so yeah
0: i mean even the venice sequence was
1: really yeah like you said really good set pieces is though you like the airport
0: the airport sequence was probably a nod to the original heist in the first one, which, you know, the first three, they all had, like, a very specific heist scene, and I think that's the one that pairs up with it the most. I already know, like, we talked about it last week, of top five for the year. This easily this just slid in. Yeah. slid in.
1: Yeah. It mean, doesn't knock out Pope's Exorcist, nothing will. Um, <laughs> Pope's actually top five no matter what. Uh,
0: but uh, in terms of top fives and... and reviews and ratings how about final thoughts and ratings
1: you want to go first or me i'll go first okay great so here's what i think about the movie <laughs> uh i think it's a nice action movie i think it after getting bombarded with tons of movies uh this summer this is a nice sort of end of june be are well, in july man uh it's really nice after june was hit with so much it's nice that we had a very competent action movie and i would not say just competent really good as someone who doesn't enjoy action movies, I would probably watch this again. It's got some spy thrillers. It's got lots of elements. Lots of characters are working all well together. I'm giving it a 5 out of 5.
0: I'm surprised.
1: No, I re- I had a great time.
0: I was going into this a little sketchy, but I did buy the
1: bucket.
0: You did buy the bucket. I, did, I had faith in the bucket rule. <laughs> I bought the bucket, and let's just say my Spider-Man bucket will be gone. I'm going to replace it, just not even like add yeah. this to the shelf. I'm just not, I'm throwing Spider-Man out, putting this on the shelf. So for that reason, five out of
1: five. Let's go. Is that our, um, is this the first movie we've seen that's come out in theaters this year that we both gave it a five out of five? I think
0: we both gave Covenant five out of five.
1: Ooh, yeah, Covenant. So our second one of the year. That's Hey, that's great. Good, good thing for movies. And yeah. Tom Cruise thanks us for going to the movie. So thank you, Tom Cruise. I have some beef with that intro. (laughs) Sure, what's what's your beef?
0: If you go see uh, Mission Impossible in theaters, as it's meant to be, and honestly, I feel like we should have seen it in like IMAX or something. Maybe, maybe we'll do it for like Oppenheimer.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, but just to see Tom Cruise awkwardly sit in a chair and talk to a camera as if he doesn't do that for a living. Yeah. It just took me out of it
1: i just i was just waiting for the scientology to come up (laughs) but anyway
0: after the break we will be talking tropic thunder which jp has never seen up until this week
1: oh yeah we'd like to thank today's sponsor the no escape escape room that's right do you love puzzles do you love challenging little things little instruments and keys to go from one lock to another well the no escape escape room is that on absolute crack that's right times that by a thousand They have gathered every man you can find with wired rim glasses, no social life, and absolutely strange voices, Put them all together to design these rooms to guarantee that there is absolutely no way out. That's right. The masterminds, technicians, and absolute degenerates can 100% guarantee that people who go down there definitely do not come back up. The people from No Escape Escape Room would tell you what the reviews are, but unfortunately, nobody has been able to leave a review because they haven't been seen again. Send somebody you hate. Send somebody you love. Send somebody who really needs a time out. The No Escape Escape Room is the room for you if you never want to see those people you like again. So. Sign up today and use the discount code never seen again to make sure you could save 20%. Hey, maybe you only can send one person. Don't worry, the absolute matchmaking system behind No Escape Escape Room will put plenty of strangers together who will absolutely get on each other's nerves and put them into an impossible situation. This podcast is brought to you and sponsored by Fort Way Media, the media company that cares about turning everyday life into a cinematic experience. Whether that is a wedding, whether that is a small business who needs ads and reels and maybe some social media presence, or for any other event that requires a photographer or videographer, Fortway Media is the obvious choice. They care about the content they produce, and they produce it at high quality and at fast speed. So do yourself a favor. Go to fortwaymedia.com and book your uh, session today, and don't miss out.
0: And we're back, and we're talking 2008's Tropic Thunder, directed by Ben Stiller and starring Ben Stiller. Jack Black, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Steve Coogan, Jay Baruchel, Danny McBride, Brandon T. Jackson, Bill Hader, Nick Nolte, and Tom Cruise.
1: Tropic Thunder is a movie about another movie being made called Tropic Thunder. We follow the cast and crew in their attempt to make a film. However, the cast and crew, uh, the the cast, I should say, is, is a combination and sort of a great, superstar team that they have pulled together from this universe and when the director feels like it's not going in the right direction he takes them out away from the film set to give them more a real in-depth dive to really get into their character and things go horribly wrong and i'll leave it there
0: and how thankful are you that i suggested this
1: i have heard so much about this movie over the course of my young adult life um and now adult life and let me just say, I get why people talk about this movie so much. What a great movie. First thing I got to tell you is I'm on the train. I've downloaded the movie, right? Because not on the train. Not on the train. <laughs> I've downloaded the movie because I, t- I fell asleep crazy early last night. I'm like, right, I got to watch this over the course of the day. Fine. They're going to be ads. I'll take breaks. And the first commercial, I'm like, yo, I can't be. What is this? I thought it was a real commercial from Pluto. I'm like, yo, I know it's free ads, but what is this going on? And then I realized slowly, oh, this is... They're doing... They're introducing you to their characters through trailers and advertisements.
0: Just the nod to Al Pacino. The, the classical, dramatic actor. Yeah. With Alpa. <laughs> Chino.
1: Alpa. A-L-P-A. Chino. C-H-I-N-O.
0: Just starting it off with a booty sweat. Like, yeah, classic. And then bust a nut.
1: What a way to make fun of movies. What a way to make fun of char- uh, character actors and actors in general. And this is like... I really feel like peak 2008. This is like, we, I know I've been saying a lot with a lot of movies, but I think there's a reason why, you know, obviously if you're looking at things from the past, you're going to pick things that represent it. And Tropic Thunder is right where cancel culture is about to start. Like, I feel like <laughs> Tropic Thunder came out and people like, do you think there's a way we can cancel this shit? <laughs> and it starts three years later.
0: Um, yeah, it's such peak 2008 energy, and also at the same time, uh, now you can see where, like, our style of fake trailers came from. Yeah. Um, and I think I even alluded to this uh, a few weeks ago when, when we were talking about, I think, Extraction 5. Yeah. And we were like, let's do a fake trailer for that, and then you see the beginning of Scorcher. <laughs> yeah. So, a lot of blueprint stuff here. Um, Satan's Alley, hysterical Terrible. trailer. Yeah. It's just introducing and Wire by only MTV Awards best kiss. <laughs> so many classic lines. If, if I had to relate Tropic Thunder to any movie that I, I truly love, I think it's up there with like something like Dodgeball or White Chicks where I can constantly quote this movie.
1: I would say this is a definite Dodgeball. It's, yeah, upper echelon of comedy, self-referential. Just very, very well done.
0: What's funny is it's also like – Technically a parody, like you see some of the things, like you see the platoon spoofs, and you see uh, different nods to different movies, but it never directly parodies, which is what I like. It still stays stays very grounded in its own reality. It's, it's almost,
1: almost like a parody of a parody, of a parody. Uh, but, the uh, but the parody, parody of the parody, parody is being serious. You know what I mean?
0: No, I'm I'm getting what you're saying. Like it doesn't give the airplane vibes, where right. it feels like this isn't realistic, and we're just tossing gags up on the screen. And it's funny still, yeah. but like this one feels more grounded in its own reality.
1: Yeah, it's, it's grounded, grounded in its own reality, and, and the thing, thing that are, are, that is most parody is not, not the, the situation; situation. It's, it's the, the characters. characters, it's the it's how, how they're, they're written. Making
0: fun of the characters, but also making fun of certain actors. Technically, if you think about it, like uh, Jack Black character is clearly they're doing a riff off of Eddie Murphy's The Nutty Professor. Yeah, with all the different characters um tyler
1: perry for those who are more modern need tyler perry playing tyler Tyler perry right yeah plays uh
0: and then just in general with the you know being the fat fart guy it plays off of a bunch of different actors who got you know boxed into this this character that they play up on the screen they they can't be taken seriously like then jack black, black. yeah ironically uh, <laughs> then you have uh robert downey jr who gets, uh, you know, fully immersed into his roles, and they related to things like, you know, uh, like Jared Leto later on. Actors like him who get fully immersed and lost in the character, and they become like this, this tabloid, you know, magnet for different things. Then you have your action star that can't be taken seriously because they only do like, you know, Fast X, and like you can't grow into a uh, into yeah. a better actor. We're gonna be quoting the movie here we're not making fun of anybody, but going full retard.
1: <laughs> there are so many lines you could have said, like, we're not making fun of everyone here. And I was like, I was prepared, oh my God, what is this guy going to say? That is a quote from the movie. He go, he's Robert Downey Jr., with skin pigment changes, says, you never go full retard.
0: <laughs> so for full, for full uh, transparency here, and just to explain the situation here, Robert Downey Jr., plays an Australian actor who gets a pigment surgery to appear as
1: <laughs> just saying it out loud is crazy
0: <laughs> to appear as a black soldier in the movie of Tropic Thunder so he plays the guy disguised as another guy playing another guy and they reference this many a time in the movie where yes he is doing blackface but it's not robert downey jr doing blackface it's his character doing blackface and in the movie he for some reason because i kept picking up on this he breaks character multiple times to talk about the art of filmmaking and acting which i think is hilarious but he never breaks character so he's always putting on this old southern black guy kind of voice and he goes and tells ben stiller who did a movie where he plays a mentally handicapped character that you can't go full retard.
1: And then references actual movies and explains how those people are not going full re- <laughs> <laughs>
0: He goes through uh, Rain Gump. Man, Forrest Gump, Gump. Yeah. and then he... My my favorite part is that when I watched this movie, I was fully aware of I Am Sam, the movie. Yeah. I love that movie. movie. I think Sean Penn killed it in that movie, and I think he, he should have won the best Oscar award. So when I heard robert downey jr's character say can't go full retard just ask sean penn 2001 i'm like oh
1: my god <laughs> it, oh man there's layers to it um he got a lot of flack for this is that right
0: not when it came out he got flack for it this year and really yeah so there was actually a thing on twitter a few months ago uh where tropic thunder came back into uh the spotlight and and people were looking at it with a 2023 lens. And they were saying, oh, are we really going to let it slide that Robert Downey Jr. did blackface? And Ben Stiller took to Twitter. Ben Stiller is the main star in this movie and also the director. And he was like, I think he's also a writer on this movie too. Yeah. And he was like, no, nah, it's good. I defend it. Wholeheartedly. He's like, I, w- I wouldn't take it back. And I'm like, good on Ben Stiller. Because it makes sense in the context of the movie. Even if it was made today, I feel like contextually it makes sense
1: yeah in fact it's making fun of people who do that that's how i read it it's like that's like, so ridiculous
0: what do you mean you people <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god so part of this movie again you have to understand so in the movie robert down jr is playing a, an actor who's now playing a black man because he's a person to his character, the joke is that anytime something racial comes up, Robert Downey Jr. gets a Takes full offense. <laughs> Takes full offense. While a relates to the other black guy in the movie. It's so funny. I uh, really like the fact that these people, that the the, um, the antagonists in the film, the bad guys, that I love the joke of that. This is the only piece of media that they got, and it happens to be so funny. I think a lot of jokes... There, it's not a lot of slapstick, it's a lot of very situational, witty humor. I, yeah, funny movie, really funny. Best
0: best product placement for TiVo,
1: yeah. (laughs) Oh my
0: god, when I first saw this movie, I had no idea what any of it was about, I'd never seen a trailer for it, I just watched it, and I had no idea that Tom Cruise was in this movie until i saw his name in the credit sequence oh you didn't the, know who he still didn't know who i was. still i couldn't recognize voice or the yeah. eyes or any of that stuff i didn't know until the very last frame right before the end credits and i was so amazed because i'd never seen tom cruise do something like that
1: yeah it's nice to see him do some comedy and i think it helps the fact that you know you don't see him do comedy so to watch him do it is just funny in and of itself whether or not it was, he was actually funny. But I really liked his character. I thought he did a great job with it, so I was very happy. A
0: nutless monkey, do your job.
1: <laughs> no, but really, <laughs> a nutless monkey, dude. <laughs> I really don't have. I do. You have any problems with this movie? Because I know we're just gushing at this point. But it, I think also too, it, like it really. We like to laugh. You and I are constantly joking. Especially you bring the the third bromigo Eddie into it. Like we're. We're always cracking jokes. This movie is just just cracking jokes.
0: It's probably a bad time to ask, and I hope that you have a better answer prepared for this question. Sure. Um, Did you watch the last episode of this with Eddie? Yeah, why? Did you see what I did in place of...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I really liked it, actually.
0: I was trying so hard to find a video of just the guy in the shadows talking. (laughs) Yeah. Couldn't for the life of me find a free one, yeah. so I just took a still image, and I found the whitest looking one. It looks like <laughs> it looks like Pasquale actually yeah. for some reason. Uh, and just cutting back to that still frame is just it cracks me up.
1: What I think is great, how we just made things not making fun of any other groups or whatever, but you in a silhouette are able to tell race. I looked for the whitest silhouette I could find. Nick, I think that says more about you than it does Eddie B, All right.
0: Look at that silhouette and tell me any different.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's the hat. The hat does it for me. It's the hat. It's I, really the ba- like, I think
0: I was going off the baseball hat probably.
1: Yeah, was, Cause Eddie wasn't wearing a hat, but I just I really like that hat type.
0: The jokes always land. I feel like it's again one of those movies like Dodgeball where I will constantly laugh at these jokes.
1: in, in some way, I can't be about to say this, but like Jack Black is able to tone down the Jack Blackness of himself to not overtake the film. Nobody, I feel like, overtakes this film. Everybody has an equal part. Even Ben Stiller, who's alone a lot of the time, it's not him who's stealing the scene. I feel like it's the enemies who are stealing the scene.
0: It's very self-referential. It's yeah. very self-aware. Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, it's similar. If I would have to yeah. compare it to another movie, I would think like Shrek, something like yeah. that. But it is making fun of archetypes, and it's still creating its own story. Yeah, people died.
1: Yeah. Like, Oh, yo, when that first character... De- I like could not be like, a, what? Actually, James Byers laughed my ass off when it happened. Because like, wait a minute. What are they? This is going to be great. He's like,
0: corn syrup and latex.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, it's a... Blood, blood favorite. <laughs> 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 I love when he shook the gun and the guy's mouth was moving. i mean, just talking. Boy, it was so good. I kn- and I knew this movie was is supposedly like really funny. And I've heard so much about it. And it still made me laugh. Even by myself, like on the train. You know what I mean? Like if, if a movie... I think a movie if something's really funny if you can laugh by yourself.
0: Things tend to become funnier or laughter is contagious.
1: Yeah, or you feel more yeah, more comfortable like laughing, you know you know. There's something about it where like laughing on a train with a crowd like I know I'm the only person watching this and I'm I'm laughing and I know am like, Hey you shouldn't be laughing. No, say who's your favorite, who do you who do you love in this movie? Besides everyone, who do you love? <laughs>
0: It's such a hard pick. I'm probably gonna have to lean Robert Downey Jr.
1: That's yeah. I'm, I'm not even gonna be like, oh, I should pick some. Now nah, Robert Downey Jr. kills. This
0: What's movie. crazy is this is 2008, and if you remember historically, 2008 is the same year as Iron Man. Yeah, as a bold move. God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and for like for like Marvel to pick this guy up. At the start of it all matthew mcconaughey is also in this movie people
0: at his most mcconaughey yeah
1: this is gonna definitely be one of my favorite comedies of all time
0: it's i told you multiple times it's up there with dodgeball for me i feel like super quotable love this movie and i'll go for final thoughts and ratings right now yeah let's do it um i don't think it's any surprise i'm giving this a five out of five i've get ready for the shocker yeah. on this side of the mic yeah <laughs> i love this movie uh there's a reason why i recommended it it's hysterical i think it's also very original i feel like we get hit with these comedies here and there like it takes a few years in between i think after tropic thunder the next movie that really wowed me as a comedy was this is the end
1: yeah that was a good one too
0: so i think it takes a few years in between and then there's other like gems in between like like ted and stuff like that like something that does something a little bit different so that's why i give it to this so Five out of five. If you haven't seen Tropic Thunder, definitely watch it.
1: Yeah. No surprise here. Also giving you a five out of five. No sense in, in holding such it. It's a basic bitch episode. Basic bitch episode. Really like the two movies that we watched. Um, but I'll, I'll say this. Some, you know, in the world of 2023 and who you can't offend and who you can't offend and all this other stuff, this is not a political podcast, but clearly this was made during a time where nobody was worried about that and they were just going for it. And Tropic Thunder fucking goes for it. So do yourself a favor, go for it, go watch this movie. I guarantee you're going to laugh. And if you don't, buddy, that's your problem, not mine.
0: Yeah, something's wrong with you, maybe. Yeah.
1: So yeah, 5 out of 5, man. Thanks for watching. This has been an episode of Take 303. If you're watching or listening on Spotify, make sure you hit that follow button and leave a rating. We really appreciate it. If you're watching or following from somewhere else, yeah, make sure you do that too. Uh, we have a patreon feel free to subscribe to that we have some extra content on there this week's poll question is what is your favorite mission impossible movie we'll have all seven of those up there for you and finally this week's question of the week is what is your favorite not pc comedy obviously 2000s has is littered with them but i'm just curious to hear what yours is